This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press, when a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, Yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help it if my writing sets the scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Can I tell a story? No, we're here for only serious stuff. Like, what else do we do but tell stories? My God. Yes, of course. What kind of story is this? Once Upon a Time Once kind of Upon story? a Time, Christopher Rice was recording an audiobook for one of Everybody Drink. It's a story about me. Recording what an audio book. Everybody expected that. I know everybody did, but so okay. So I was recording an audio book of one of my gay romances, and I was talking to the director, and I was saying, you know, this character, one of the lead characters, he's he's really, I want him to sound gay. He's an out proud queeny gay guy. So be, I, I need to really, um, you know, work on a voice that works. And the director was like, I think your voice is fine. <laughs> And I was, wow. I always think about that. Uh, I always think about well, that when no. I do the intro because I was like, yep, sounded gay again. There's nothing wrong with There's nothing gay. wrong with it. I love it. When a guy sounds gay, it means the likelihood of him wanting to have sex with me is way higher than if he doesn't. <laughs> If he's not gay, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, I think that could really make all the difference in yeah. a lot of ways. It doesn't mean he's going to, but it means he's way more it's likely just, to <laughs> than somebody who's not gay. Yeah, that that that's better probability really, of outcomes. That's gonna cut your chances. Yeah. 
Okay, so we just we had a pause. We no, paused. We didn't. The, yes, we I did. Think Christopher's having a stroke. <laughs> we or something. paused the recording because you were like, "I have to write something down, and I can't remember what it is." Everybody stop. Nobody talk. Nobody talk. Nobody speak. He's making this. up. I'm not making it up. I think we're gonna have to have him see. So maybe he has to go to the place now. I have to go to the place anyway. Um, we got a lot going on in this episode, <laughs> other than us. <laughs> no, it's always just us. It's always nobody just... else is on this show. There's nobody we really than us. We haven't interviewed anyone in a long time. We did two interviews for a very speci- special and specific reason, which I'm not going to go into right now because that's not the topic of the right, show. Right, but it's coming up again. Um. Oh, that's very true. That's a good. Yeah, that's very true. Um, we'll get to that later. We'd like to leave our listeners on the outside of what right. we're talking about. <laughs> like to let you in on. It's all inside stories here. Like if you're not on the, if you're not in the know, you just yeah. Um, so well, I would think that we have only done the two interviews. So how could yeah. they possibly not know they were on the same? Topic? Well, this may be somebody's first week listening because, as one person put it, I finally listened because you all wouldn't stop pestering the people on Anne's Facebook page, which was like, well, that's well whatever, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And you know, while we're at it, buy our books, <laughs> totally, or else we'll put those on the page. Buy our too. books. Um, so, okay, lot, lots going on today, as we already established. You had to stop the recording, which you're now lying about. Which, Christopher's, this you whole drama that Christopher is making up. over my shoulder, and you paused, and I was like, what could possibly be over my shoulder? Have you ever seen The Swarm, that stupid Killer Bee movie with Michael Caine? I'm sorry, I believe that you know the answer to that question. <laughs> so, yes, you have seen it. Um, there's a point where this bee who is, a boy who is attacked by a bunch of bees, or a bee who was attacked by a bunch of boys. It's it's hard to remember now. He it's been so long, and I'm Michael Caine, having a stroke. Michael Caine is the bee scientist, and he can't. The boy can't talk, and they keep showing every time the boy looks at Michael Caine, he sees a giant. <laughs> sorry, he sees a giant bee over Michael Caine's shoulder, which doesn't make any sense because there are no giant bees in the movie. The killer bee, the swarm, is made up of normal bees. Anyway, whatever. I'll do a blog post about it or Maybe something. Maybe they form into the shape of a giant <laughs> bee, like like a marching band doing a salute. The swarm, right. the swarm forms a giant bee in the air, and then they smell out mayonnaise and a salute to, to Hellman's. <laughs> you are an ad man born and true. I'm, it's all showmanship, babe. Okay. Because they're there's one, but there's probably two born every minute if you really Absolutely. want to get right down to it. Um, and in West Hollywood, there's 69 born every minute. <laughs> hey, girl. <laughs> uh, listen, I sound gay. We established this, and that's a good thing because I am gay. So it makes it tracks, as the children say. Um, it's fine to sound gay if you are gay and want to have sex with other gay or bi or queer people. Or even so, if you don't, yeah, and even, even if you're not, yeah. it's perfectly because there is no such thing as sounding gay. That's yeah. like acting straight. That's just <laughs> stupid. Yes, absolutely. It's also, none of this is the subject of today's episode. No, so. but we had to talk about something. The bees were close, because the, we're going to talk about scary we're about stuff. Bees. Oh, scary stuff. Yeah, you're really frightened of bees, No, right? I'm not. I'm not frightened of bees. Didn't you draw, like, this whole thing about an Listen, attack as a small child? There's is- a story. There's a story. First of all, Texas is terrifying, okay? My parents were from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we're starting. That's where we're starting. It's so Dickensian. In order to understand the rest of the story, you must first accept that Texas <laughs> is terrifying. That's true. It's true. Every summer, we would leave the beautiful liberal idol of Northern California, where I went to a lesbian-run Montessori-style school, and feelings were all valid, which was really weird with six-year-olds, because six-year-olds have a lot of feelings. 
and then I would be dropped into rural, suburban Dallas, Texas, where everyone stared at me like, who is this self-actualized activist six-year-old with a rat tail? Right. Um, but there was a lot of nature there. And in San Francisco, there we didn't do nature. On the on the island, the peninsula of San Francisco. It was under glass at the Fairmont. And right. You could see it <laughs> and then go have tea. Yes, exactly. Calm down. Or there was an urban... There was nature in there. We saw some. We saw a bit. I'm very disturbed. Could I have a fan, please? <laughs> Can I have a fan, please? Let us retire to our Knob Hill chamber. No, that's not how we lived in San Francisco at the time. But... There wasn't a lot of nature that wasn't controlled. And then you got to, like, I first learned about snakes in Texas. Um, and my dad wanted me to wash the boat with him, which was like, what are we doing? What boat? What, he had a boat because we lived on, my grandparents lived on Cedar Creek Lake, which is a glorified reservoir about an hour outside of Dallas uh-huh. in a town that is literally called Tool, Tool, Texas. Uh-huh. Um, we had a bu- just a little T O O L T O O L. Yeah. Oh wow, that is really next door to Gun Barrel City, which was an actual town, right? Which you need a tool for. Absolutely, a gun barrel is a tool by definition. Anyway, we had a boat, and he wanted me to wash the boat with him, and I was like, "What has become of our lives that we're washing a boat?" You know, like right. I was at a protest. Who are we? I don't like even a few know weeks who ago. you are anymore. We'd go to Texas, and they would become different people. And what we did not know was that— So it was your father's boat that he kept in Texas? We uh, had—my grandparents lived on one side of the street, and we kept a summer home, (laughs) a summer trailer on the other side of the street. Fancy. Where he had a boat that that was in—but, like, the boat didn't, like, get— brought back and forth between California and Texas. It was the Texas Lake Boat is what it was. It stayed at your summer home. Our summer home on, I think it was Rory Drive off of Cedar Creek Lake. Okay. Well, that's fancy. We didn't know as we were hosing down the boat that there was a yellow jacket's nest underneath it. And so we sprayed it with water and out came the yellow jackets and I got stung, and I lost my mind. I lost my mind sort of periodically over a lot of different things as a child. But and then it stopped abruptly. And then I then I cleaned right up around age ten. Yeah, that's how that's how I've experienced it. <laughs> that's it. So um, that there were a lot of drawings of yellow jackets. I went to a garden party. At what age did you go to a garden party? When I was, I'm going to say, ah, uh, twenty, nineteen, nineteen, twenty, somewhere along mm. in there. This is going to be about bees. I see. Okay, please we proceed, Governor. Everybody was out in the on the lawn, and it was a summer afternoon, and people were drinking their mimosas and wearing big floppy hats and really getting into the. It was around the time of um, of Brideshead Revisited, so mm. getting all costumey for events was kind right. of a thing with us. And, we were in the theater department anyway, so getting all costumey was kind of like getting up in the morning. Right. Um, but we were being, we were having this moment, and we were at this. There was this Victorian house that had one of those wooden porches with slats that mm-hmm. are laid side by side. That and then there was a knot hole in one of them that was no longer there, and out of it periodically would fly. I'm going to say a bee, but probably a yellow jacket, something like that. One of those little stingy creatures. Mm-hmm. One and, of the stingies. Yes, and Joel Mason. I'm going to name names. Oh, name checking. Live on the air. 
who I think is in Scotland doing theater now. Oh, um, look at Joel. Running some theater or something. Yeah. I, that's the last I can remember. Right. Um, decided it would be a good idea to take his red Solo cup of beer and pour it into the little hole mm. um, that the bees were flying out of. And I can remember there being a moment of, like, it's almost in slow motion. <laughs> He's putting his hands out, ladies and gentlemen. And there was an explosion of bees, bees. <laughs> that just began stinging all these people in their linen outfits yeah. all over the lawn because we were all outside. Everybody was running for help. And if it was yellow jackets, yellow jackets can sting repeatedly. Yes. Whereas bees sting once and then die. Yes. So you really get the shit stung out of you by yellow jackets. Whatever it was, everybody was suddenly mm -hmm. being sung to death by this. And it was like... Uh, dude, you're mm -hmm. from the country. What that were you was thinking? How not, drunk was he? Not some city kid. Well, apparently either really drunk or very stupid. It's mm -hmm. it's hard to say which at yeah. this point in time now because so much time has passed and it's hard to remember how stupid he was. But yes, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess probably drunk. I don't remember him as being stupid, but mm -hmm. anything's possible. Um, yeah. So I can I have some. Some, I didn't draw about it, though. That was the thing that really struck me about it was you're continuing to capture. It was as though you were trying to justify your response to this to um, a disbelieving group of elders. <laughs> or I was trying to tell the therapist why I was the way that I was. See the bird? I was brought in for a meeting, or my parents were brought in for a meeting at that school in San Francisco. And they were shown some illustrations that I had done in class, which were, I would say, six-year-old tries to recreate the most gruesome scenes from Jaws. <laughs> and the teacher's comment to my mom was, look at the fear. Look at the fear in their faces. I <laughs> was like, they're stick figures. They're stick figures. A giant O mouth. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Um, anyway, this sort of ties into the this sort of ties into the topic of today's episode. We've really gone a bit afield, although these are scary things that happened with explanation. And I want to say right off, we have a great answer on the Facebook page because we brought that question to you. What's the scariest thing you've ever experienced that could not be easily explained? But one of my favorite answers could be easily explained. Andre Lavoisier, it doesn't look like you understood the question entirely, but your story is an amazing one and maybe one of the scariest I've ever heard. It's very simple. When he was a kid, they lived in a small house in the country, and as my mother was at work and my cousin was babysitting, a bear tried to break in. Did you have honey? Oh, my God. That could be the explanation. I've seen a lot of Winnie the Pooh movies. <laughs> That bear, if there's honey, he will do it. Like he got stuck in, in, rabbit, in Rabbit's house once because uh -huh. there was honey. Yeah. I love that that's your nature. Uh, that's your, your metric for studying nature. Anyway, whatever. That's as close as uh, the Hundred Acre Woods. The Hundred Acre Woods. Is as close as I'm like to get to any nature. Okay, so. Jesus, Andre. I'm it's terrifying. Terrifying. It's oh easily explained, but I mean, maybe somebody sent the bear after you. Like, but that would definitely count as the scariest. If you dreamed that, well, no, that would be explained too. So, no, no it wouldn't make any difference. It's still scary. Uh, another answer that didn't quite understand the question, but is also kind of an amazing one. Maria Jason said, My aunt almost hired John Wayne Gacy to perform at my fifth birthday. 
birthday party. I'm sorry, I shouldn't be laughing. We just did the John. Wayne oh Gacy my God! Thing. Almost <laughs> like but, oh, thank God. What happened? It was like uh, no. Yeah, he was like, arrested. Oh, he was arrested before he could. No, do the I don't party. know. I'm just I'm, I'm guessing. That's really oh how icky. Although. On the plus side, it wasn't really um, the five-year-olds that John Wayne Gacy was really the threat to. That's very true. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. All right, so the one of our party people who really did understand the assignment was long-term party person Mike Martinez. We talked to him a lot on the Facebook page oh, yeah. during Hi, dinner Mike. party show days. He says this to say, At my grand's old house, the main bathroom opened onto a short hallway. The bathroom door was fitted with a full-length mirror that, when opened, reflected the dining table. If you were in that area alone and exiting the bathroom, the dining table would be surrounded by anywhere from two to eight indistinct figures, vaguely human-shaped, transparent, and they would vanish if you walked towards them. Almost everyone in the family saw them at one time or another. This was only in the mirror? Oh, my God, Mike, that's completely This was terrible. only the reflection that where they appeared, and if you turned around, they wouldn't be there? If you were in that area, I'm reading over his answer again in the dining table. If you were in that area alone and exiting the bathroom, the dining table would be surrounded. Mike, we need a point. We need you to clarify. This is a good like. This was is it only in the mirror story. or like? Yeah, that's absolutely terrifying. That's, you know, like part of. I had a hard time with this question because I have some things that would be hard to explain. But I don't know that I was terrified by them. Interesting point. Like the um, the the one that came immediately to mind was the uh, the Send in the Clown story. Do you know that Tell one? That story. Tell I it. I think this is the one that I was telling when the lights went off at La Jolla. Uh, we talked about that two episodes ago. Yeah. I have, I believe, a almost a familiar a ghost who haunts me. Not necessarily a place, but who has manifested a presence that is manifested around me that I choose to call Cynthia, because I think that's her name. I think that's who it is. Um, Cynthia was a real person who passed Cynthia away. Cynthia was a that's real who person who passed okay. away who I did not know in life, <clears throat> um, but who knew my sister and her friends and went to school with them. I didn't right. go to that school even, so that's a guess, but yeah. I, I don't actually know that that... I've never had confirmation of it. I don't know that I've made an effort to. Anyway, off the topic. Off topic. So um, there were lots of different Cynthia stories, lots of different manifestations. But once I was at a card party at a friend's house and we were playing cards and it was right around the time Judy Collins had released a new album. And on it was this, her rendition of the song Send in the Clowns from Stephen Sondheim's Little Night Music. 
And I loved that song. Mm -hmm. And the album belonged to uh, my friend Pam. And she put it on and I heard what it was. And I said, oh, play Send in the Clowns. And she said, it's a great album. We're going to listen to the whole thing. And Send in the Clowns is on there. So you'll hear it when we get around to it. And Send in the Clowns began to play. And she was like, what? So she got up from the table and she went back over. And she picked the needle up because Sin of the Clowns, I think, was the last cut on the mm. first side. Put it back at the beginning of the album, sat down to play cards again, and Sin in the Clowns mm. began to play. Mm. <laughs> so now she was intrigued and we were all sort of intrigued and she walked back over and she picked up the needle and she put it back at the beginning of the album and the needle slid across the album without scratching, without making any of that noise, and began playing right at the beginning and of Sid in the Clouds again. She this? watched it happen. I didn't even see that part. So she may actually have been terrified because yeah. we'd have to get her, well, I, we'll interview her on the show, mm -hmm. um, and get her to do that. And she was like, oh, my God, this just happened. And she, um, she, I, And I said at that moment, I said, stop it, Cynthia. And Pam picked up the needle, put it at the beginning of the album, and the album played normally. Okay. I'm a little scared. That's a pretty creepy story. That's a pretty I, creepy story. I was accustomed to mm -hmm. the phenomenon. So it didn't, I wasn't frightened in the moment. Yeah. Like coming out of Omen, coming out of the movie Omen at night right. from the movie theater and walking to the car uh -huh. parked on the street downtown was way more terrified. Yeah. Though there was a complete explanation for that. That yeah. movie was scary as shit. That movie's scary. Anyway, who's the next? Oh, well, I'm bouncing all over because we got a lot of a diversity of responses. Philip Cohen says, I was at a crosswalk on Park Boulevard and Mead Avenue in San Diego. I heard a voice say, don't step out when the light changes. A car is coming and it's not going to stop. I waited for a few seconds. A car slammed on its brakes right at the crosswalk line in front of me and slid out into the intersection. The car backed up, and I crossed the street in shock. Happened so fast. Hesitating to step out is a strange feeling, but it saved me. Wow. Jesus, wow. That's but again, really, that's, but. It's scary. Like I, and I think that's, but it's, it's revealing that a lot of people have had these experiences and they aren't frightened by them. Like that's about having your life What's saved. What's your scary but unexplained story? You know, my scary but unexplained one is more sort of we were messing with a Ouija board in St. Elizabeth's. Ooh, wow. Yeah, really dumb. That sounds like the beginning of a movie. And if you don't know what St. Elizabeth's is, it was an old orphanage that my mother owned in I New mean, Orleans. I mean, orphanages and mental hospitals and are Ouija a boards. hotbed of terror and Ouija boards are the key to the door. And we were trying to... Get you, you know, prove you're real, whatever we're communicating with. Right. So I left and uh, left the room, and we asked it to reveal the name of the book that I went into another room and placed under my shirt. And I came back in to the room without revealing the book to anyone. The people on the board never left the room, and uh, it spelled out the name of the book. What was the book? Beast. B E A S T. Oh. And I never touched the Ouija board again. Something much more complicated: <laughs> the assassination and persecution of John Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. This was performed by the <laughs> discourse yeah. on the. Metal They're yard. still spelling <laughs> it out. <laughs> We're going to be here all night, Chris. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and I never touched a Ouija board again. Wow, that yeah, was that's enough hard for me. to explain. Yeah, but people have had horror uh, stories that are t truly terrifying. I think anything in which electronics are jarringly played with. 
you can't turn a television off. It keeps turning itself back on or it turns itself to something. Or the record player keeps yeah. playing the, yeah. That's why that's, I thought, like, I, if I had been terrified, that would be, I can't explain it other than I think it was Cynthia. Oh, my God, and that's the next one. I just turned to it. Oh, my God, that's Cosmic. Carol Horger Bull says, another weekend trip with my friend in a quaint older town. She answered a question in our previous episode of, we asked people, if you, do you have a ghost story? Right. Different from this question. Um, but this is Carol's answer this time. She says, uh, my friend and I had booked a motel, settled in for a quiet evening after a shopping rampage all day. Mm. We talked for a Sounds while dreamy. and then fell asleep. I awoke to a very bright light in our room. I thought it might be a car outside, but when I looked around, I realized the TV was on and it was all static and no picture. I fumbled for the remote to turn it off. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Mm-mm. The environment around me being manipulated. I haven't had a real experience like that, but I'm always ready for one. Right, all the chairs are piled on the kitchen right. table. Oh God! And then I realized my, you know, my butt sat on the remote or something, and it's like, oh okay. But if I ever don't have that moment, oh God, we were we had this. I had this moment recently with you. There was I, <laughs> what I went to. Uh, I, there was a. There's an area in my house where. I believe there's some sort of malign spiritual investment. And there is a door to a guest bathroom in that area that I never really mess with the door. And I went to um, push the door closed, I think, pushed the door back, and it resisted me. It There was pushback. Oh, no. Mm-mm. And it was – it scared the shit out oh, of me no. because it was that area. Other things have happened there. Cool, you know, freezing cold spot yeah. and all of the other stuff that's really weird. And so it had whatever. And I was like, Wah. and I told you about it. And we were like, yeah. and then several days later, I realized that the veneer on the door <laughs> was down and at a certain point if you pushed it it started dragging on the floor and I was like oh yeah that's oh. just sat on the remote Angelina Farmer just before the end of my sophomore year of high school I and a group of friends were hanging out in a cemetery in Everett, Washington Evergreen Cemetery home of Rucker Tomb and yes I've climbed to the top and down I'm going to have to Google Rucker Tomb. I don't know what that's about. I don't know. But it was the dead of night when they were doing this hanging out. She blames my mother for hanging out in cemeteries because it was quite popular after November 1994. And if you've ever seen pictures or been there, you'll note that there are gigantic trees all over the cemetery in question. I got separated from the group as I was mindlessly walking and heard one of my friends yelling about something in a panic. So I started running and ran right into one of those gigantic trees, making me scream as it seriously was not in front of me a moment ago. Oh, wow. Ooh, I was cold sober and knew the cemetery quite well. There shouldn't have been a tree along the path I was running, and yet I either got turned around or a tree decided to scare the scruples out of me. I went back during the day to the spot, and I almost ran into the tree. I remember the area as I had fallen when I tried to change direction quickly and landed on a grave and remember the cute little cherub on the headstone. And there were no trees anywhere around that area. None. Especially not a huge one that I saw the night before. Wow. That's really creepy. You like apples? (laughs) How'd you feel if somebody came and picked an apple off of you? (laughs) (laughs) Dottie Marie, a couple friends and I were fishing 
It started to get dark, and we were trying to make our way back to the vehicle. Uh-oh, I've seen this horror movie. This is, this is the don't go to Oregon story. When all, of the, when all of a sudden I tripped, and it was on a headstone that had been sunk almost all the way into the ground. Oh. We all felt something crawl up our back and turned around and saw a figure in mist form. <laughs> we ran so fast, one of the guys jumped a barbed wire fence and cut the inside of his leg. But he lifted the rest of us over and we continued to run. We made it to the local truck stop and I got physically sick. Oh my God, Dottie Marie. Come to find out it was an old Indian burial ground. At the time, I lived in Oklahoma. It could have been the change in the weather. I'm not sure, but we all felt it, and we all feared it. Yeah, that kind of, oh, that sense being touched. Mm. Yeah. Freaky. Scott Lucas says the scariest thing that he can't explain is Donald Trump's presidency. Yep, that still flips me out. Um, Veronica Castro J. I guess maybe that's her DJ name. (laughs) Or maybe Facebook makes her (laughs) abbreviate her last initial J. Or maybe I screen capped this poorly and cut off her name. Anyway, Veronica, apologies (laughs) if I did. In my grandmother's house, it sounded like someone was taking a bath. But none of us was missing from the meeting, so we knocked on the door. Oh, my God. We knocked on the door to find out who it was, but nobody answered. It was closed inside. When my grandmother said some rude things and the door opened and no one was there and the shower was wet. Oh, my God. Creepy. creepy. Very creepy. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we moved to New Orleans, my cousin, Billy Murphy, he was into the paranormal. And I remember him showing me pictures that he claimed he had of a ghost, which he had taken the Myrtles, I think was the plantation house. Have you ever heard of the Myrtles? That sounds really familiar. If I'm not mistaken, I may have the wrong one. There's one that has a big murder story attached. I mean, they were all bastions of bloodshed and slavery and oppression, you know, horrible. But there was a specific, like, so it's really hard to, you know. To narrow it down, yeah. But this was some story involving, I think, I can't remember if it was the murder of a slave or the murder of, I don't remember. But he had he claimed he put the picture in front of me and you could see a misty outline of a figure and he was saying that's you can see her head and I it was the first time somebody I was confronted with somebody who took it seriously. You know, like Louisiana, yeah. the whole orientation to yeah. that side of the re, side of the reality or whatever was really more fluid than the oh, Bay yeah. Area. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a much more mystical kind of place, but I think it has to do with the place. Mm-hmm. That sense of that is is there. We were yeah. easily brought into that way of thinking as children, as I recall it. Did you? I was waiting for you to finish oh, your sentence. No, no. I was. <laughs> I thought you said as I recall at, and I was like, which answer should I <laughs> no, read next? <laughs> as I recall it. No, no. Oh, I was, as I recall I it. And then you were just staring at me. I was like, what? What is it? What's going on? I was waiting. I was yeah, like, things fall apart here at uh, it's D- really, TDBS Presents Christopher and Eric. We should be clear about something that happened behind the scenes. Eric bought me donuts, and it was very nice. He surprised me with donuts. And so I've had several, and I'm sweating. The sides of my face are sweating. <laughs> and I feel flushed. <laughs> and he's staring at me strangely and whatever. So perhaps we should uh, pause and get him a cold compress. Right. 
I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash thedinnerpartyshow. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio Um, when I ask Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. So the last time we went to our party, people asking for them to talk about paranormal scary experiences, um, Cindy Conforti, author of The Cindy Conforti Rule, which says it is better to listen to us talk about true crime specials than to watch the stupid special yourself. Um, But that's true about everything. She said she didn't have a ghost story, but this week she does have a story. She says, while this one was scary, it was also quite beautiful. My husband passed away at home after a long illness. As soon as he passed, the family all gathered around his bed, and my six-month-old granddaughter kept pointing and gesturing to a spot high above his body and just babbled away. It was obvious she was seeing and talking to someone or something, but there was nothing there. She just kept pointing and happily making sounds until her mother took her into another room. She's 23 now and doesn't remember the event, but I was certain that she could see her grandpa's spirit and was having her usual fun with him. I wow, that's I love that beautiful. story. That is a beautiful story of, Absolutely. of saying goodbye. I love that. Gina Rowden says, "My grandfather came to me while I was undergoing cancer surgery in my 20s, three years after he died." Literally, while I was in surgery, we, wow, we walked around the Galleria in Houston. I was at MD Anderson. That's a major cancer hospital. And at the end, he told me I couldn't go with him because it wasn't my time. He assured me that I'd be okay. Then I woke up in the recovery room. I would go through cancer again to have that time with him. That's a beautiful story. That's wow. choking me up a little bit. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let's see who's next up. Julia Fulton. My dog, Sage, was 18 when he passed. I was devastated, inconsolable. That night I stood on my balcony, excuse me. (laughs) On my back legs. My back legs. And uh, saw my beardy mix on the roof, lying down, smiling at me. There was a black silhouette with him that looked like a German shepherd shadow. I cried with joy, and then they disappeared. A dog paw print remained on my balcony for three days. I still have the photo for proof. I like that 
that none of these stories are scary. I like that our party people are embracing of these experiences. Like right. nobody's freaking it out. It happened and I can't explain it, but it's not really scary. Yeah. All right, Eric Shaw Quinn. It's your what? turn. Your turn at bat. What is your story? Well, I thought about this because like I said earlier, like I've had weird things happen during the course of my life, but my response is not necessarily of scary. And I don't know that this was scary in the sense that we mean here. It isn't like ooh, scary. Um, a very close group of friends. I think we were all still in college. Um, very close. Uh, my parents had moved away from home. I was the first kid on my block whose parents moved away from home. So my sister and I, who were both in college in in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, um, were living at my parents' five-bedroom house out in the country. You know, like it was – like not in the country, but in the suburbs um, as much as that's possible in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, anyway, um, we had – been gathering. Obviously, our friends hung out there with us a, mm -hmm. a great deal because we had this great big huge house. Um, it was very comfortable for playing Pong. Pong was still a thing and watching H movies on HBO and um, probably smoking a little of that wacky tobacco and uh, <laughs> drinking uh, Carlo Rossi white. Well, set the scene. Set um, the scene, Eric. And enjoying me. ourselves. Um, so we'd had one of those evenings, and our friends, Barry and Suzanne, had to leave the party before. It wasn't like it was a party. It was just, it was more like a dinner party kind of thing. It was a small group, maybe five or six people. They left, and my sister and at least her friend Charlotte and I were still there. And we were on the front porch. My parents have one of those Tara front porches, mm -hmm. two stories with the columns and the you know right. the southern kind of works. Anyway, um, we were sitting out on that front porch in these big old wicker rocking chairs that used to belong to my grandmother Leola, mm -hmm. and uh, saying had said good night. And they walked out and got in Barry's little Volkswagen and drove off down the street. And I suddenly said. They're going to be in a terrible accident. <sighs> and Charlotte, um, my sister's friend, but also my friend, but they were in school together, um, said to me, what will happen? And I said, um, I, I think I said she will – something will happen to her leg and he will break his nose or – Something like that. I, I some very specific injuries. They will survive, but they will. Um, but this will will happen, and you know they got home safe and whatever, and nobody thought anything about it um, at all. This was like the end of September, and then um, Friday the thirteenth of October, they were Suzanne and Barry were in that car together. Mm -hmm. And um, they were stopped at an intersection, and those old Volkswagens had little sort of running boards right alongside. You may remember from your father's yeah, yeah. convertible just Bug. outside the door, like yeah. a little rubber. Totally. Rage. So it wasn't a convertible. It was hardtop, but the windows yeah. were down. It was a lovely afternoon, and they were in the car. And um, so they, they had stopped at this intersection, and 
Barry started a, this this man came over to the to the the window of the car and he began reaching in the window to try and get they thought Suzanne's lighted cigarette. Oh my god. And so Barry looked both ways because they didn't know what else was happening with the man and um the light just changed and he took off. Um Suzanne was driving. It wasn't Barry. Okay. Barry was the one with the cigarette. So so she took takes off up the street. I think that's right. I think she was driving. Anyway, it's been a long time. Um, and she looks back over to say, wow, did you see that guy or whatever? And he's standing on <gasps> the the running board and hanging, reaching into the car. And Suzanne, who is looking up now, no longer looking where the car is going, just freaks out. The car crosses the median into oncoming traffic. Oh, God. And they are in a terrible car accident together in which they experienced exactly. He hurt his nose and she hurt her leg. I think that's right. Or the other way around or something like that. I think he broke his nose and she broke her leg or got her leg really screwed up or whatever. But, um, yeah, yeah, they were, they were injured, but they ended up being okay. They were taken to the hospital, um, where we went and saw them and smoked in their rooms and I think brought them marijuana. I can't remember. Wow. It was, you know, different times. Yeah. Um, and I had forgotten. I had forgotten the moment. And Charlotte was the one who said, oh, my God, do you remember? And when she said, I, of course, immediately recalled the exact moment that she was talking about. I can still remember that moment more distinctly than any of the rest of the tales of this story, as you can tell from <laughs> listening to it. But... um. But yeah, that I cannot explain that. I have not had that kind of psychic sort of moment to that extent, yeah, ever before or since. Um, and uh, it was kind of it was kind of creepy. It was, it was like, that is the fact that you've never had a moment since. That's what's really creepy about it. Like, what was it about that night? Like, I have in, I have intuition about stuff and stuff, but nothing. I have never predicted something that specific, right? And I don't even know why I would did that night. Yeah, that's my, that was my question. Like my thought is relaxed and mm-hmm. calm and open to the possibility. I mean, it may even be Cynthia related. This would have been after Cynthia was a part of my life, so I may have been a channel for something because I was just kind of you know tired and blissfully out of it, and could bring the could allow the the knowledge or the information to pass through me. I have no idea. And it may have just been one of those random things, but to have been that specific mm-hmm. down to the injuries was, yeah, that was a little creepy. That's really creepy. All right. Let's see what Ingrid Horn has to say. What does Ingrid have to say? This happened to my husband, but it's still super weird. Yeah. My husband's brother passed away suddenly because of sepsis in the hospital. Dear. Sorry. As my husband and his parents were standing around the body, a chair by the side of the table moved about two feet and then turned. My husband said it was like someone was moving the door to line up with the door and then turned, must be moving the chair to line up with the door, and then turned the chair in that direction. Pretty sure it was my brother-in-law leaving the room. Wow. Jesus. Wow. That's terrifying. That is really, that's a moment. Yeah. That is really a presence. Um, and we have a photo answer to this, so we're going to invite, if you're listening to this episode, head over to the Dinner Party Show's Facebook page where William Madison has um, 
posted a photograph of I'm looking at the photograph. It's creepy. A man on the trail, what might be a man on the trail cam um, photo that was captured at his place in the Ozarks. He has no idea where the dog came from. I checked, and there is no trail where the figure is located. I'm blowing up this picture to look at it. Oh, wow. Oh, God. This is terrifying. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh that's my God. like that guy from True Detective. Yes. In the underwear with the oh gas mask. My that's God. really terrifying. Oh, my God. Okay, everybody, you have to go. This I is... thought it was the, the I thought it was the dark thing on the left, but then I saw the, oh, my God, that is really. That is really scary. That really scares the shit out of me. Yep, and that kind of shit, that's, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets me. Visual things that aren't supposed to be there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we scare that, ourselves. That's a winner, William. Wow. Yeah. That one actually <laughs> but scares me. I feel me. guilty. We need to be able to share it with the people who are listening. Go well, to. You have to go to our Facebook page. The Dinner yeah. Party Show's Facebook page. Look for the post asking people. I think that it was called. Um, Maybe we could pen it. A midweek. Yeah. Uh, we'll do an individual post that goes with this episode yeah. of this photograph. I think so. It'll be the Wednesday question post. What the fuck do you think this is? Right? Yeah. But if you're dying to see it right this minute. Yeah. Go to the Facebook page and uh, yeah, that's yeah. wow. Uh, that was okay. I'm too freaked out to finish, but we have actually another response from William Matson. Apparently, the Ozarks is like Skinwalker Ranch up there. <laughs> we leased our farm in southern Arkansas out to duck hunters each year. One dry year, the pipe that released water from the reservoir failed, and we dug it out. We allowed the water to flow through the cut to flood the woods for hunting. The problem was the beavers dammed it a few times a day. About 10 one night, we took a boat around the reservoir to use shovels to dig out the beaver dam. Just after finishing clearing out the dam, our only flashlight died. No. I, oh, God. Suddenly, something about 30 feet down the levee screamed. Oh, dear. Rabbits, foxes, and owls can scare the hell out of you in the dark woods at night, but I have no idea what this was. Due to other people hearing a scream over the next few years, we suspect it was a mountain lion, or as we rednecks call it, a panther. <laughs> Oh, my God, your flashlight went out and you hear an unexplained scream. Okay. That's, that's really uh, unfortunate. Maybe it was the person from the picture earlier. Yeah. Oh, my God. This, I still am not over this picture. Maybe it was somebody who saw the figure from the picture earlier. Um, Tommy Ann Elquist, it was not me. Tommy Ann Elquist Gunther says, I am so used to things like this happening that I no longer see them as scary. I can explain them by way of things I have experienced over the years. Okay. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, I feel kind of the same way. It's like I I certainly have had unusual and unexplained experiences, but I find them more intriguing than than frightening. I I'm often taken by that in movies and stories is right. that, that the first response to an alien being or unless it it's like alien. Yeah, um, right. A xenomorph or right. whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Unless it's a xenomorph or some, you know, or ghost manifestations. I'm always surprised that people's first response is to be, is to be screaming and, and terrified of them and running. Okay. I think we have time for Rob Casey's answer, which is quite uh, a journey. So let's strap ourselves Okay, up. so it was a dark, stormy night. This happened in April of last year. I'd just gotten into podcasts in 2020. I initially was listening to mostly true crime podcasts. Well, we had a cross co crossover story that featured the urban legend of the black-eyed kids. Have you heard Don't of the kids? It. You know Okay. They allegedly will show up at your door with some reason to try and gain access to the house. 
often they'll ask to use the phone. If they get in, supposedly terrible things can happen. People also report feeling extreme dread and fear. It's sort of implied that they're otherworldly or perhaps demonic. I listened to the story about these black-eyed kids with amusement, thinking that they sounded like the urban legend, unurban legend. I even blurted it out loud. Yes, I talk back to podcasts that cannot hear me. We can hear you, Rob, so watch out. Yeah, watch that Watch that lip. So a few days later, we were expecting friends to visit. It was just the first warm day of the weekend, and the neighbors were all out cleaning up their yards. We live in a sort of off-the-beaten-path neighborhood on a long road that ends as a cul-de-sac after a couple of miles. It's not a place you'd casually travel to visit or pass through. I was watching out the window, waiting for our friends, when I noticed a young man come around the corner walking into our neighborhood. I'm nosy enough that I usually recognize everyone that lives in the neighborhood. I didn't immediately recognize the kid. He seemed like he was probably just under driving age, so I assumed he walked to the convenience store not too far away, like most kids in our neighborhood do when they're not old enough to drive yet. But the kid was off. He had a weird formal gait to his walk. He was bundled up in a sweatshirt, pulled way forward so you couldn't see his face at all. Creepy. He just had a weird vibe. Well, my friends arrived, and we got settled inside. I look out the window to see this kid is turning into our driveway. He made this weird right-angled walk to get in the driveway and then the sidewalk. It was a strange, unnatural way to move. He comes up to our front door and rings the bell. I was thinking to myself, really? I go to the door and peek through the small front door window. I can still see his face, but just a little bit of his mouth and chin. I suddenly felt very afraid. Then he asks in a creepy monotone voice, can I use your phone? Every hair stood up and I felt terror and panicked. I told him sorry I couldn't help him. He then turns just a bit so I see a smirk and I swear a flash of black eyes and he asks, are you sure? I told him I'm sure and he needed to leave. He replied, okay. Then, still with a smirk, he turned away and walked off with the same gait and the same right turn and just headed straight back out of the neighborhood. He never once stopped at any house besides ours. Creepy. I hadn't told anyone about the recent podcast I listened to, so I explained to my friends and husband why I was so creeped out. They were all quite spooked by the story. I stewed about it for a few days, leaving more outside lights on. I decided to ask about this weird visitor on our neighborhood email chain. I prefaced it by asking if anyone had seen the kid with the Syracuse hoodie on Saturday. Um, I didn't mention the whole black-eyed kids thing. I specifically asked if anyone had him on their ring cameras or whatever because neighbors love to gossip about what they see on their ring cameras. Oh, isn't that the truth? Mm. One woman that was driving out of the neighborhood saw him and said she didn't recognize him and it bugged her that she never saw his face. The weird thing is no one else recalls seeing him and he was not on any camera footage. I've thought about explanations. Perhaps he was just casing houses. Perhaps it was just a prank. Maybe the neighbors didn't get want to get involved, so they didn't have footage. I've never seen this person again. It's very possible it's just a basic situation with nothing odd about it. But the coincidence of the timing with my thoughts about black-eyed kids and being in my mind after recently hearing a podcast about them, there's just enough doubt in my mind to wonder about the whole thing. I can't quite explain it all the way. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a creepy ass story. I have to tell you, 
just the act of showing up at somebody else's house and asking to use the phone is so anomalous now yes. that that in itself is creepy. Yes. Like, I think if I thought somebody was genuinely in distress, I might give them one of the cordless phones from the house uh-huh. and say, yes, you can feel free to, yeah. you know, to call on this phone if you want. But I'd- you would have to immediately, to be credible, present an explanation for why you didn't have a phone of your own. I, I know not everyone can afford a cell phone, but cell- there are cheap cell phones out there. They're burner phones. People typically have some kind of phone on them. Yeah. So it makes you there's suspicious an, if you don't. There's an absence of payphones now, so there's right. a little bit of a there's a little bit of like. But, but that's why, because we all have one. But that's because everybody has a cell phone. So yeah, it's just. I don't know. Well, it's been yeah. That's uh, yeah. Well, I think that's that's the story to to call everything to a conclusion on. Like Rob, yeah. I think finished off that story. There are more stories. So if you're interested in reading more of the scary stories from the other party people, there were more than we could fit on the air this week. So. Try our Facebook page. Also, you can see that terrifying, terrifying photograph. We'll try and remember to pin it, but it's in there in the uh, the Wednesday question from the week of the 12th. That sounds right. <laughs> the week of October 12th. I let's think that's see. right. Let's see. The week of October 12th. Yes, that sounds. Of September absolutely. 12th. I'm sorry. September 12th. Right. We have Halloween on the brain. We do record ahead. Yes, the week of uh, September 12th. That's uh, It was posted on September 14th. So, yeah. So you yes. can see the uh, the other scary stories that we didn't get around to, and you can see that creepy picture. My God, William. All right, then. So I think that wraps it up. Wait, wasn't Jordan supposed to come in this week? <laughs> he left a message. He was under the impression we wanted him to answer this week's question. Did we? No. All right, let's play it and see what he said. Inane twaddle. That's what he always says. Why should we Just have to play? Just play the oh, message. Fine. Good evening. I am Jordan Ampersand, and I am here with a scary story. He sounds like Eartha Kitt. Shut up, Eric Shaw Quinn. I thought this was a voicemail. How creepy. I am calling to tell you about the scariest thing that ever happened to me. It takes place in darkest West Hollywood, in the hours after the losers who couldn't score at the clubs had returned to the far reaches of the San Fernando Valley. Why does this voicemail have a soundtrack? Don't ask questions you're afraid to hear the answers to. I was walking alone through the fog down Santa Monica Boulevard, and a great white light came racing towards me. And then she tripped and her wig fell off, and I was like, girl, watch where you're going in those heels. You have a reputation to uphold, Vagina Listerine. Then again, I was alone. And when I turned and looked into the front window of the Shishi LaRue store, I beheld an almond reality. I think he means alternate reality, and I'd love to know how he could tell the difference. It was a world different from our own. A world where I had something terrible. A job. It was a world where I met people for coffee before I gave them hand jobs. It was a world where I woke up each day knowing exactly where my car was. It was a world where I was 30.
I'm sorry I made you play the message, Eric. Until next time and forever after, I'm uh, Christopher Rice. That's how you want to end this, yeah, huh? I think I think it's best we just get out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's sort of the, can't go any lower than that. Okay, Let's get well, out. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> and you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. <laughs> Ooh, thanks. And Jordan. This is TDPS.